0: Catch them all, Joe! <laughs> Comby, the golden girl. Hello everyone and welcome. Today we're joined by Jeremy Cammie, who is the Vice President and Executive Producer of Events and Marketing at Indigo Books and Music. For our listeners who uh, might be from the United States, uh, Indigo is kind of like the Barnes & Noble of Canada. So Jeremy and I we, we go back a bit. Uh, we go back, I believe, to when we first met maybe 25 years ago in, uh, in university here in the here in Toronto. Uh, and I think and I was doing some research of course in preparation for our chat today. So I think it wasn't too long after that that you actually made your way to Indigo when it had just a few stores, still very early days in the company. And uh, fast forward you know a few years and, and Indigo buys its rival chapters. I remember that happening. And the collection of smaller brands that went with it, and now you know, 20 plus years later, Indigo is really the market leader in, in, in books and lifestyle products. And major competition, perhaps from Amazon. I mean, we'll get into some of that today in our chat, but but that's what I see. So, you know, Jeremy, before we get lost in conversation, which I suspect we will, I want to say thanks for for coming on the Backstage Project podcast, and I just wanted to ask you, know, how you doing?
1: Uh, thanks, Mark. You're right. I think it is 20 or 25 years. You're probably dating us. should be noted I skipped a few grades, so I'm probably younger than you when I entered university. Uh, how am I doing is a very loaded question. And funny you ask that because during all of our virtual events with authors, that's the first question we ask is, how are you doing? I think the, there's no proper answer, right? I think uh, I'm apprehensive. Uh, I'm anxious. Uh, I'm also excited about what the future holds but uh, but i I feel a lot for everyone out there uh, you know the psychological safety is, is a is a big phrase right now whether you're in isolation or whether you are uh, quarantining or whether you live alone and you're not with family I think that uh, you know we, we need to take care of ourselves and each other it's critical
0: yeah also to thank you for that and I think that you know for me and I know for you because jeremy and I for full disclosure we've been slightly collaborating on some on the work that he's been doing with indigo to Entertain and uh, and occupy you know children over over the course of the summer in addition to all the other uh, se- sectors and segments of the market that he does on day in day out basis um, and on my side you know helping helping families with some basic programming so we've had some fun there uh, but when I was again looking back kind of in your history uh, and what you've accomplished in your career I wanted to start with a very simple question uh, around the first item that I can tell. Where you worked out of school, and that's Mad Science, and and I'm hoping that you're going to give us some nuggets here that really begin to paint a picture and tell a story of uh, of what we've come to understand as your as your personal brand, uh, you know, many many years later. So what? Tell us about Mad Science. How'd you get there? what do you remember about your experience there?
1: You know, I, I will. <laughs> it's funny, Mad Science, and I'm going to say this even before uh, Mad Science. Uh, I worked at at the Disney Store. Um, And I was a greeter and I was always fascinated by Disney and their customer service model. I think they had a great concept of marrying entertainment with education and that becomes edutainment. And I think from there is when I sort of graduated towards where else can I work that would offer me this type of edutainment? And it was mad science. I was probably in my early 20s, knee deep at that time into sleepaway camp as a special events director, and then directing a camp myself. And Mad Science really was, for me, uh, one of the foundations of who I am today. It taught me all about the customer, and the customer journey, uh, and, what, and what we, as a business, has to fulfill. And quite frankly, every single week, my job was to travel around, and I would be a host. So, 20 or 25 kids sitting in a, a room, or a ballroom at a hotel, Uh, And I would perform uh, science experiments for an hour. And you have to tailor it to each each, uh, party. Some kids were 5 and 6. Some kids were 10 and 12. Some kids were up to 14 and 15. So it is interesting how you talk about segmentation and the customer and how at that very young age I had to already learn about the customer, the demographics, the journey. So for me, mad science. And mad science, by the way, is still going on today. And in fact, a nugget of gold not many people know. I think I may have been offered a job on a cruise ship and I turned it down. Now, I can't imagine cruising today, but back then, I don't know why I would turn it down. It seemed like a fascinating gig for a a 20-something to go on a cruise ship and travel around for six months.
0: Well, I've heard many stories from, I mean, people that we grew up with that, whether it was a cruise ship or whether it was working one of these resorts kind of in the Caribbean, uh, it it was a lot of fun for the right person, for the right person. (laughs)
1: It seems glamorous on the outset, but most people often say to me, oh my God, you uh, you produce events for Indigo. You've met Bruce Springsteen and Clinton and the list goes on and on. And I said, you know what? 99% of the job isn't so glamorous. That 1%, maybe.
0: Well, to be fair, I mean, you, you even though you might not have taken the job 25 years ago, you have still made your mark on cruise ships and probably not even that long ago. Um, I, I do remember maybe it was an Instagram post of, of you putting on quite a s- <laughs> spectacle on a cruise ship. I, d- I don't know if you remember that as fondly as I do, but you lived it. <laughs> whoa,
1: whoa. I do, because I can tell you that it was exactly six years ago, uh, and I, was, uh, I won a competition. So I, I would say that you are correct, and I've never thought of it that way, but it's the circle of life
0: absolutely and and what what you're doing now you know supporting uh, the kids programming with uh, with the camp indigo kids and uh, I know you've worn that mad science hat a couple times through these uh, live instagram shows so very hard to take that that out of you so when we think about kind of who you are today and I know we're kind of putting bookends on so much more that that you've accomplished over your time I mean I think there there's a theme that I mean let's just surface it now that there, there's an entertainment quality to it there's a I'll call it a pleasing quality to it I mean you can you can help maybe extrapolate a bit for me what what you think of that but this this concept that whatever you're gonna do um, you're you're gonna make sure that people remember that experience whether they remember you or not I mean maybe that's part of the journey that you're on but certainly a memorable experience and for me I mean and I've been at a few events over the years. Uh, certainly I was at that Springsteen uh, book signing in Toronto and I had been at previous events. I remember um, perhaps Jack Welsh many years ago um, when he was doing a book tour, I attended that. But there's so many more in between. So maybe talk a little bit about that, that role that you have at Indigo where you're not front and center the way we've already been talking about today, but you're, you're facilitating the environment and, and building that experience that is memorable. For Indigo customers, potential Indigo customers, and and delivering on, on on marketing and a value proposition that's more of a brand piece of Indigo than I think more than anything else.
1: Yeah, it's a it's that that's a loaded question, and I'm going to go back with a not even I'm going to go back. Let let's use an analogy of sorts. The fact of a movie theater or a drive-in. You and I are well-versed in drive-ins from 25, 30 years ago, sitting in the backy back of a you know wooden station wagon, paneled station wagon, and watching a, a drive-in. And then obviously the VHS comes along, and then the DVD players. The question is that at this point in time, if you take a look at the music industry, uh, yes, vinyl is coming back, but digital far and away is the preferred format. That's what I was trying to say. Why is it then that pre-COVID, why are movies still such a fascinating part of who we are uh, as a society and culture i say it because there is something exciting about walking into a theater smelling the popcorn there was something exciting about getting a ticket and realizing oh it's not sold out and then it becomes sold out there's something exciting about walking into a theater seeing all the seats and then deciding where you're gonna sit there's something exciting about the previews and the trailers and the voiceovers and the movie itself and then obviously at the end of the movie, you talk about it, you leave and you go again in, in three weeks or a month or so. What I do is no different. I bring a sense of excitement uh, uh, to the stores, but more importantly, brand recognition. And I say brand recognition because you even said so yourself. And I'm sorry if you hear emails back and forth, but this is live and this is what we do <laughs> during COVID. Um, you said it yourself, Springsteen, you will forever be married to our brand because of that event forever you'll be 80 years old and you're still going to say i remember the time when i was 40 or 45 or 50 and i attended an event at that store and you'll be telling your grandchildren so what i try and do is to and not just me it is it takes a village there's a lot of people on this team what we try and do is to create experience where we can attach some sort of brand recognition to that and this is not simply a sales pitch uh, i have never been one uh, uh, to get up on stage to talk about it and then to remind people to buy the book 99% of our events are free and so what we try and do is really offer an experience that is memorable that is valued that is appreciated and that at the end of the day you're going to say man what a great event I got to come back to this store again or what a great event this is now my brand of choice or what a great event such great customer service! I got to come back here and sit down and just read a book because this is my happy place. This is my safe space.
0: No, everything, everything you just described, though, and those are my memories. Especially for that Springsteen event. I mean, we don't I haven't talked about Springsteen yet uh, on the podcast, and I hope we have an occasion to just talk about Springsteen for like an hour. But I'm not going to do that today. Not, not, not to you. But, but I will tell you a story that I probably haven't told you before, and I certainly haven't told our listeners, which is. So I got a chance to, you know, shake his hand. Maybe six seconds. Uh, my my smile was was ear to ear. It almost bursted out of my head. It was it was so wide. And I got home. And uh, when I started that day, I didn't know I was going to end up being there because it was a very pop up type event. There wasn't a lot of notice. But I ended up getting a chance to go.
1: Four days, by the way. We got notice four days, so we had four days to produce that event.
0: Well, I only knew about like thirty six hours. And the energy was unbelievable. It was like I was going to a concert in in the pit, for those of you who might have been to a Springsteen concert and been in the pit. So I come home. And at the time, maybe this was my daughter. Maybe she was 10 or 9. I can't really remember the age. But I come home, and she said, like, Dad, what did you do today? And I told her. And and she said, and she didn't even hesitate. She said, oh, my God, you met your idol. And I was like, I think – I didn't burst into tears, but it did tear. It did catch me. Uh, one, she was 100% bang on. And two, and maybe this is more of a Springsteen fandom, and just thank you for enabling that to come out, but it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I did something. I wouldn't say it was on a bucket list because I never thought it was attainable. I thought it, attaining it was... You know, seeing him from a few feet away in the pit, risking my life, again, for those of you who've been in the pit. But that moment, my daughter even understanding the significance of it in a way that I couldn't even fathom it. Uh, it was an amazing moment. So thank you for helping to uh, bring that to life for me. I want uh, to no, no, go back to this for a second yeah. because
1: I find that fascinating because that's what we try and do day in and day out. And look, I have the luxury of meeting all of these people backstage in the green room before. Not that I've been desensitized, but because I, I'm working on the back end of it, I'm professional. Like you know, I'm not teary eyed I'm not hugging. I am the one who has to you know, keep it all together. But for that particular event, that was probably one of the three events where I saw grown men cry both before and after. Before when they got when they got tickets and they were in line, and after uh, once they left. If you if you you say you you're in the pit and and you've seen a concert this event you will you will notice we did not upcharge the only charge was the price of the book in retrospect i probably could have charged a hundred two hundred five hundred dollars more and i still would have had the same amount of people there but because who we are as a brand i'm not simply going to charge you more for an autograph or more simply to meet them the price of the book is the price of the book and that's who we are and that's what we stand by so that was the event. And you're right. Because of that, it sold out in less than two minutes.
0: Yeah. Then, then again, Springsteen had one of the best, most powerful runs on on Broadway, and it sold out in about the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. We're in good company.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so we talk about we talk about your role. We look at how long you've been with Indigo. I mean I'm not gonna compare it to me. I've jumped around a bit from opportunity to opportunity in my career. Um, You're working in retail. I I know that your job is really not a retail job the way that many others are categorized as that, Um, but you're working in retail. You've been there for 20 plus years. Um, So congratulations. That's really unbelievable. Um, Now the leader of your company, Heather, and I'll let you talk about her. Um, She's someone who's also been there for that duration of time. And and. I don't really know a lot. I've never asked you this when I've seen you personally, but I don't really know a lot about your relationship with her. Um, but I, I would like you to talk about it a little bit because you basically only beat her in the organization by a couple of years, <laughs> and and I don't. I'm not. We're not going to talk about the supporting cast. Who there, maybe there's a, a few lifers if we call you that um, at the company. But why don't we talk about about Heather and how special she is? And, and maybe if if you can, what you could share, you know, your relationship with her.
1: Heather is um, Heather's a visionary. Heather is uh, every bit that you think she is as a business woman. Uh, she is fair. Uh, um, she far out she far exceeds anyone at the table when it comes to strategy. Uh, she believes passionately in her team. Uh, she believes in doing the right thing she believes in living with intention which basically means helping our customers along their journey Um, she is an advocate for our department which is why i guess i'm still around Uh, the belief and the passion of connecting culture lovers to culture makers she is generous uh, both in heart uh, and in mind and time Um, she is insanely passionate about kids and kids programming and raising readers uh which i think is why there's a huge focus um, on kids and educational toys and baby products that we've uh that we've created both and launched in store over the past few years she believes in the evolution of retail and the fact that we can't stay stale because uh, if we do stay stale we become stale so there needs to be some sort of consistency but we've got to to create this evolution of 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, and this whole transformational strategy and agenda. So, I mean, I I could speak forever uh, about her because I've known her for 20 years. I don't necessarily have to interact with her every single day, but when I do interact with her on a weekly basis, it is always pleasant and always fun. And she is always, as a true leader and as a true boss, she is always pushing, pushing to do more, pushing to do better testing your limits to make sure that she is gleaning the best that she can out of you. Similar to like when you pan for gold and you find those nuggets, that is her. And she brings out the best, I think, in you, uh, unbeknownst, unbeknownst. Like you just, you realize that at the end of the day, she will push and push and she teases and, and then it, it, it just it just makes sense and it just works and you finally get there so i mean that question was really off the top of my head so you threw me for a wild one there because nope. you don't know what you're going to say about you don't know what you're going to say about your boss on a podcast but that's the best that i could tell you
0: no that's great and i think i want to it's amazing to have that admiration and that that trust and rapport for you know multiple decades that's uh so congratulations to both you on that the what you talked a lot about there, uh, you know, is a word a word that we easily describe as, as culture, and um, and that it sounds like it comes from the top, you know, of Indigo, and when I look at your role inside of Indigo from the outside, and I again I have nothing no intel on how it works day to day except for what I see you know, through your Instagram, but you look like you are delivering culture to the masses and maybe that's part of some human resource strategy uh, to to attract great talent, or maybe that's just you, but you've, you're given this latitude to be this person. Like, how does that happen?
1: Uh, that's that's a great question. So you define culture. Is culture who you are, or is culture what you do? So as an organization, is it who we are, or uh, is it what we do? I, I have always been a bit of an outlier, and you know this. Um, uh, I am never, and nor do I want to be the smartest person in the room. I think you have, you know, your IQ and your EQ and, and I am much more on the EQ side, which is creative. I don't call myself a genius. I don't think I am, but you are right. If you take a look at my Instagram account, am I a brand ambassador? That is not part of a strategy to have Jeremy Cammy espouse on Instagram, all these great things. I The Instagram account is mine. Uh, I own the Instagram account. Anything that I put on my Instagram account is my own thoughts, my own opinions. That being said, you are not the first nor the last that will say, you dance every Friday at the office. Is that embraced? Do people enjoy it? The answer quite simply is, I don't know, but I do. And I have an employee or I have a colleague that I'll bring in every week and will dance for 15 or 30 seconds on Instagram and I'll post it on my account. And some people may like it, some people may not, but you're correct. Some of the events that we host that I interview, I'll post on my Instagram and I play games with them. I ask them, would you rather? Is it part of the corporate culture? I think perhaps in a subliminal way, I I didn't even say that correctly, but I think that maybe it, it, it can be, but I don't really think of it like that. I just think that I am who I am. You like me or you don't. I don't see myself as a vice president. I see myself as an employee who works at Indigo that happens to have that title. I don't have that title because I work at Indigo. So I think that's very important to understand. Um, you know, culture at the office is, is, is really important for us. If you walk into our office, we have paintings and murals on the wall. We have sayings, you know, there's no, the, you know, I'm there's impossible is actually I'm possible by Audrey Hepburn. So those types of slogans are all around the office. We have a communal meeting room for lunch. We encourage people to eat at that area rather than eating at their desk. Why? We want people to engage and interact. We believe in holiday parties. We believe in work-life balance. And you're right, we do believe in a little creativity. We do believe in fun. We do believe in collaboration. It is very important, all these interdependencies. Everybody has to work together. And you can't do that if you don't allow a certain amount of freedom. And I I express, I guess, my freedom in that way, through my Instagram, through Twitter, and I like to have fun. And fun, I think you have to be able to laugh. You have to laugh at yourself, a little self-deprecating, laugh at others, laugh with others, and that is the corporate culture that I created, my own personal brand.
0: Well, let's talk about that for a bit, because this podcast is about, you know, the world of entertainment and sports. Today, we're not talking so much about sports. But I look at you as, I look at you as an influencer in, but in a, in a different fashion than we talk about or that I've, I've taught students about it's so we've already established today that you Indigo hired you this way. Like they didn't make you who you are. You were already this, but Indigo and Heather and the culture, the supportive culture there has allowed you to basically be like a, internal influencer that has this external presence so there I mean, so you're you're an executive you can get paid a salary they're not at this point paying you per post or for views or any of these things but what you're doing is you are you are a brand ambassador in a very true sense and maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about how indigo looks at influencers or celebrities outside of kind of the book tours and stuff that, that we already know you do, but how Indigo looks at that category of marketing and how you view that versus what you're doing yourself as part of your role.
1: Look, this is influ- we could talk about influencer marketing for a few hours. Influencer marketing is huge and it's not something that will soon disappear. It is the traditional marketing, so to speak, the paid ads, you know in dailies and magazines. Ah, uh, to me is not dead, but realistically has taken a back seat. Influencer campaigns are, quite frankly, you know, where it's at. That's the bread and butter, and all it takes is a click. All it takes is a post. All it takes is a tweet. I was listening to uh, Howard Stern, and I'm not. Some fan, some people may not be fans of Howard Stern. He's changed his style, but Howard Stern had a had a recent interview with Katy Perry, and Howard Stern said to Katy Perry, "You know, you have a." A much larger uh, following than he does on Instagram and he said isn't it fascinating that you could literally not put out an album not drop an album you do not have to go on any tour whatsoever all you have to do is post one post on Instagram a day and you could probably have a, a, a pretty good salary compared to what you're getting now for the rest of your life that's an influencer right and Katy Perry said look I do what I love and I love what I do which means She loves singing, she loves making music. I'm not Katy Perry, but I'm no different. I do what I love and I love what I do. So it is easy for me to marry what I do in the organization and then external facing, I could post that on Instagram or any one of my other channels. It's because I love what I do. Look, if you hate your job, if you hate being at work every day, chances are you're not gonna post wonderful things about your organization, or you won't be posting anything at all while you're at your job at that organization. I guess I'm a little bit different. I, I, I feel that, I think the, the last I heard, um, and this is a, a number, it was quoted to me a few weeks ago. I don't know whether it's changed or not, pre or post COVID, but the last number I heard was, 70% of those who wake up in the morning hate going to work. 70%, seven of 10 people do not like going into the office. That is a huge number if you look on the subway. And quite frankly, if you take the subway, it looks like it's true because no one talks to each other. Everyone's down reading their books, which is fine for us, but no one's really talking to each other. I guess I'm of the 30% that enjoys waking up, loves what I do, always is trying to better myself, always trying to learn. I I don't think I know everything, even after 15 or 20 years of being in the job. I don't. I think there's a lot more to learn, and now, more than ever, there's a ton to learn. And when you talk about influencer marketing, again, now more than ever, this is where it's at, influencer marketing, the tap or the press of a button. And I have many colleagues working on the marketing team whose responsibility is to tapping into that and to work with influencers, be it for media campaigns, media previews, holiday, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it is an ongoing gig. Look, I have a, I, I'm hosting an event on Wednesday with a 15-year-old who is going to teach me how to make slime. She has 715,000 followers on Instagram who watch her make slime. That's an influencer. That is an influencer. How, like you I'm not saying we didn't we didn't buy that. She has a book So obviously she wants to help promote it. So this is a zero marketing value whatsoever. There's no dollars attached to this whatsoever. I'm I'm being very, very open and honest. She is, we are hosting this event because it's our last week of summer camp, as you know, and she's going to teach me how to make slime. But when you sit around in a boardroom, people say, what should we do for week seven of Camp Indigo Kids? And this book falls on your lap and she has 715,000 followers. How do you say no to that?
0: No, you just you don't you don't you don't say no. And thank goodness she has a book. So let's let's look at the transition then of of a, a bookstore, which is really what you know Indigo was back twenty some odd years ago when it started. And from everything you're talking about, and clearly you're a big part of that. But you're in the entertainment business, whether that's the books that are doing the entertainment, or the events, or your social channels, or your programming. Uh, you guys are doing so many things. Um, Clearly there's, there's a conversion metric around it, around generating revenue, especially now where online is even more important than it ever has been. Um, there's a brand value to it, is being loved is, is, a, is a component of it. But what happened? Like, how did this company make a pivot to being in the entertainment business?
1: Uh, I think that we, we had always believed since day one that uh, we had to, conduct ourselves as a different sort of retailer. Uh, the retailer of choice, yes, but a retailer that can offer both product and experience. And that is that is essential. Um, if you speak to, and I do this a lot, I'll ask every now and then I ask my friends, you know what brands do you yourself associate with? Where do you like to shop? Are you an omnichannel shopper? So, you know, some of which have migrated to online only, other of which continues to shop in bricks and mortar, either way. Uh, So we had always believed in programming and the fact that can products sell alone or is there some sort of attribution or attachment to the in-store experience, which, which then leads, as you said, to conversion. And so since day one, we always had a calendar of events. And in fact, I think I have a calendar from 1998, 30 days and every day there was a different event. Maybe it was a story time. Maybe it was a magic show. Maybe it was live music every Friday night. Maybe it was Sunday books and brunch. Like it, it just it, it's it's part of your DNA. It's part of the social DNA of who we are, that we always had to have some form of entertainment. I mean, our 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 competitive retailers are no different in what they are trying to accomplish, or some of which of what they have done over the past few years. I mean, there's a reason why. Nordstrom has a piano in most of their stores. Or there's got to be reasons as to why some stores have cafes. I mean, it is part of, it, it's it's like Las Vegas, right? It's the lure of the casino or the show or the great food. You are surrounded by entertainment. It is sensorial. So for us, it was how do we create that type of experience, that type of environment, the sort of uh, roller coaster when you walk into a store of uh, the five senses your heart starts to race you smell the books you hear the music I mean I don't think most people know this but I'm responsible for the music for all the stores so I have to create a playlist that playlist is not a Spotify playlist I curate that playlist I handpick every single song based on tone based on lyric based on music based on a uh, uh, time of day like that is part of entertainment as part of the experience
0: well said well said I, I, I want to switch gears a little bit I, okay, I wanna, pass here. no no that's why you're here this is I mean the the, the the backstage project is all about this stuff you're you're our first yeah. guest from what I would call retail uh, yeah. everyone else has been more focused on the industry you're every bit as much in the entertainment business as everyone else I've spoken with in fact you're more accountable because you have to actually engage with the audience. Everyone else gets, for the most part, gets the benefit of just like putting it on a channel and no one ever really thinks about where that content's being consumed. You're obsessed with that. Yeah. Every day. So let's talk about some other things that, that stand out. And, um, and really it's, it's going back to the, the guests and the celebrities that you've met and I'll let you answer whatever comes to mind. I don't need to skew it toward, you know, music celebrities or sports celebrities, but if you have those stories, those would be awesome. Maybe start sharing with us an experience that stands out that that you think the audience will want to hear.
1: Man, I've got so many. Um, Back in 2006, Heather approached me and Leonard Cohen, who I'm sure everyone knows, uh, wrote a book of poems. uh, And I found it on my desk and she said, come see me. So I went up to her office and she said, what do you think of of this book of longing, these book of poems? And I said, it looks good. I I wasn't, I'm not a, I'm not a huge advocate for poetry per se, but she said, you know, he's, he's fallen on some hard times and uh, we don't know about his manager and what his manager may or may not have done regarding finances. She said that She'd love to do something for him. And the two of us were in the office for about 45 minutes, trying to figure out, you know, what can we do for this Canadian icon, this Canadian treasure? Leonard Cohen is in all of our stores on The World Needs More Canada Walls. So he he really is a legend. Uh, So back in 2006, we're sitting around and we're thinking about it and we said to ourselves, well, if our stores are too small, we want to celebrate the life of Leonard Cohen and we should be celebrating with everybody. We shouldn't just have it for 100 people who happen to fit in the store. So we thought to ourselves, and we said this crazy idea. You know, the book releases, and then it'll be middle of May. Why don't we host an event outside of our store? We'll close the street down. We'll close. We'll close a major artery uh, of Toronto, biggest city in Canada, and we'll close the section. And you know the section of Bay and Bloor. That's a pretty significant, major intersection artery of the city. We'll build a stage on the on the south side of our store, and we'll host Leonard Cohen. And so from From beginning, inception to execution, it was probably two weeks building a stage and lighting having six to eight thousand people in that area, helicopters overhead, uh, contacting some of Canadian's biggest known stars at that time, the Bare Naked Ladies, Ron Sexsmith, having them perform live on stage some of his songs. And I don't know if many people know this, but Leonard Cohen at that point by 2006 did not sing any of his own songs anymore. He didn't want to, I don't know if it was too painful or not, he just chose not to. And I think from from watching the event um, and seeing him on the side of the stage with tears streaming down his face, hearing other Canadian icons sing his songs and then slowly coming to the stage and harmonizing with the Bare Ladies is a moment that will, will forever be seared in my memory and a moment that many people in the crowd saw And that was really the first time Leonard Cohen had sung live in a very long time. And that is entertainment. And that is brand value. And that is a memory that will live forever. And that is actually on YouTube. So go check it out, type in Leonard Cohen Indigo and see what you can find.
0: No, that's amazing. And uh, I wish, I I wish I would have been there for that. I will check it out on YouTube. Have you been trapped in an awkward situation with uh, any of these celebrities, an elevator, a car, a bus? an airplane, a washroom. <laughs> it's
1: so interesting that you said that, and I'll try not to kiss and tell. So I won't mention any names, but I will mention that there, look, that there there was a time, and this was, uh, I'd say, three years ago, that a, that a major A-list celebrity that was most famous, um, and I won't say the person's name, but you'll probably guess, very famous for doing a Donald Trump impression. That's all I have to say very famous and was on TV almost every Saturday night. So he uh, was literally, I would say 45 minutes to an hour and a half late because of a, uh, a plane and the plane was, was literally, it was just delayed and no fault of his own in those types of situations. It is so difficult to keep an audience engaged for an hour and a half, knowing that it's not your fault at all, but because they're in your store, you somehow take responsibility for, the artist or the entertainer being late. Yeah, there have been times where I've also been underground uh, waiting for a head of state or a celebrity um, to, to, you know, to down, the, uh, down the driveway into the bowels of the parking lot um, and they get lost. They never show up. We've had them appear at the wrong store these are all learnings we i've I've, you know there's also celebrities who just have no time for you they just want to get in and they want to get out one two three and you have to be you have to have a very good sense of a who you are and not and not hold it against yourself but more importantly you have to be a very you have to read people's personalities you have to read their body language and with a personality like myself who's jovial and likes to have fun you sometimes have to pivot to when they are extremely serious, to when, yes, they wanna have a good time and they wanna joke around. You can read body language instantaneously the minute that you meet them. I know instantaneously if someone is here to have fun or if someone means business.
0: Well, how was Bruce? Obviously, I'm gonna ask that.
1: Bruce was great. Bruce was every bit as you thought he was. Bruce was great. It's never, it's, it's 99.9% of the times, it's never the celebrity. It's always the handler who says, don't look at them in the eye. Or don't talk to them unless you're spoken to. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, and how many times I have disregarded those messages every single time. And I disregard them because I say, you know what? You're in you're in our house now. You're in our house. We are hosting you. We have the signage is all around the store, the four feet by six feet signs, the standees, the promotional tools. We've done a lot for you. So a little bit of payback might be nice. Maybe you can smile, maybe you can give it back to us. Give me a fist bump, how about a picture? So you just, it's an, it's an acquired, uh, uh, I think, sort of learning that, that you figure this out. Bruce was great, Bruce was in the back. He, he doesn't sit down a lot, he stands, he was taking pictures in the green room. And then afterwards, about five minutes, he's like, and you might not remember this, but whatever the event started, he looked around and he said to us, if there's a lot of people in line, I don't wanna keep people waiting. <laughs> So it's 2:30. The event starts at three. Let's go. He wants to start, and that's that's and that is the that's the philosophy, and that is the mantra of a true sort of star, right? That rather than rather than uh, 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 me waiting for them or them waiting for me, no, he doesn't want to play that game. They're out there. They're his fans. They've been there all day. He's there. Why is he not out there signing already?
0: Well, the working man's hero, and and I, I, before we move on, I want to want to give you a little a little bit of kind of feedback, really from from my own career. I'll take it, which is the fact that you that you did in those moments with the handler or with the celebrity, you know what you thought needed to be done because they were in your house, as you said it. I mean, the fact that you're still employed, that's pretty much the the only evidence you need to show that you made the right decision and continue to make the right decision. <laughs> So I hope uh, that's the <laughs> ultimate measure.
1: You're totally right. We had, uh, we had Ringo Starr come to the store, um, I would say 2016 or 2017. And look, this is a Beatle, right? It's a beetle. one of the four Beatles, he's it. Uh, and his, his handlers were fine, but it's sort of the same where this larger and life figure, you've heard about Ringo Starr, you know all their music, they're still considered the greatest band ever and yet he's in your store in the green room taking pictures with people and then you know peace and love love and peace it is it is surreal and sometimes it's an out-of-body experience but you have to step back and you have to you know i got the tie on i got the suit on i'm still a brand ambassador how do you how do you take yourself out of that fan boy or fangirl situation and still be able to be a professional it is not easy but you learn to adapt
0: all right, well, I'm going to force you to pick one moment. This is part of the questions. We're going to ask you a few questions now that we ask every guest on the Backstage Project podcast. So if you had to pick one moment out of your career, so it could be mad science if you'd like, but one moment that you just distinctly recall as the most memorable.
1: God, there's uh, there's been so many. I, I could probably think of three. Um, the first of which I will always remember the midnight release parties for Harry Potter. This is not something that you and I had lived through as children. It just wasn't that, that, that experience and that machine, and that imagination did not exist for us. And to have thousands of people in a store at midnight wanting to get a hands on their book. Look, that speaks volumes, no pun intended, it speaks volumes of the power of storytelling and the power of literature. Um, I think another moment was probably in 2004, uh, meeting Bill Clinton for the first time. Uh, and and I'm—it's not, it's not because I'm a fan or I'm not a fan. It was that I'd always heard of this larger-than-life character that makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. And to uh, drive out in front of the store the night before, find people camped out in tents in november waiting to get their ticket so that they could have their six seconds and in fact it wasn't six seconds it was three seconds uh to me was absolutely fascinating that people would wait outside in line to meet someone um that was probably another experience that i will uh soon never forget and the fact that you know during the event he would pause take a break come over mention the songs in the playlist, talk about jazz, then go back to sign again. Like it is, it is wait, whether, whether you like a president or head of state or you don't is really a moot. The fact that when you're sitting with that person or standing talking about music and jazz, there is something interesting that at one point in time, you know, he was able to press a button and launch a nuclear war. Like that, that to me, it's unfathomable that, that you can actually wrap your head around it and then you come home and like you know, your kid's handed it to you, and you got to feed your kid at nine o'clock at night. The event is over. Now you got to go back to parental duties. So <laughs> it's like again, it's the circle of life. Well,
0: well, well, very well put. Was there a third example, or we're uh, we we're, uh, okay to move on?
1: I mean, we're okay to move on because if we don't, I'll
0: just keep going. All right, fair, fair enough. And and for the record, there was a point in time I can't remember the year that I did go to a midnight DVD or CD release of a Springsteen album down at down on Young Street there. There you go. It was a thing. It was a thing. So, with this next question we have, and you're 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 incredibly unconventional compared to the other people that we've had on here, uh, because you you have such a dynamic first personality and then diverse set of roles that that you seem to continue to have you know twenty years in with with this company, you know, indigo, uh, and you seem to still have all those responsibilities right down to the store level. But if you will, our next question is really to help help with the mentorship of our audience, with people who are looking to get into, kind of your world, and I, I'm going to try and help this question along so you can frame your answer. And, and I'm going to say that people who are looking to get into the. Store retail experience world, what, what kind of advice do, do you have for them? Because I'm sure you have people you know, in the organization who are who are relatively early on in their careers, so you can you can map your answer back to maybe some of those people who support you,
1: I, I look. The question there's a lot of people that would say why would you want to Right? a lot of people would say retail is dead Why would you want to what's the reason for that? Retail retail isn't dead. Uh, I think it's 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 not that it's it's the reinvention of retail Uh, I don't think that 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 uh, Shopping malls are closing there will always be a need there will always be an an omni-channel customer, which is completely great Um, but then there will also be those that are tactile and want to feel the merchandise and again this goes back to your senses. So what do I say to those people? I say to those people that you need to be unique, you need to be different, you need to reinvent uh, the wheel so to speak. How is it possible, and if you take a look at a number of retailers who are not our competition, and I have two daughters, so if you take a look at Aritzia and there's lineups in front of their stores before the doors open, if you take a look at the billionaire who owns Zara, there's got to be a reason as to why Zara is doing so well. And maybe some of that is fast fashion, and it has nothing to do with experience. But then there are others, and it has everything to do with experience. People thought that there would be death of the bookstores, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. We were sitting around a boardroom not too long ago when everyone was talking about, oh, my God, no one's going to read any more physical books because now they're turning into ebooks so it's the death of us as a retailer right i would say to all those people it is as i said before it is the marriage of the educational value of what you're offering and the entertainment value of what you're putting forward and you marry that to edutainment uh, experience is i think what we are all craving for right it's the instagrammable moments it's those hey i were here you not you're not look look at how great this is and i'll take it back to this if if we stream music like we've never streamed music before and back mark years and years ago when we were young we actually had to ride our bikes to a store get a cassette or get a record bring it home and play it now if you named a song i could play it instantly on my phone what am i getting to i'm getting to that there is this need for instant gratification but i also feel like now more than ever Experiences now become taken over, right? Like, yes, we're collecting uh, uh, things, but now we're also about collecting moments. We're about collecting memories. We're about posting on Facebook of our vacation. We're about going to a concert that we paid 150 or $200 to watch. And instead of watching it, we're all in the audience filming the whole thing because we can't actually enjoy it. Why? because it's an experience that we wanna remember forever. And it's not just about the memory, it's about the digital experience, putting it on our platforms so everybody can see it. So again, what do I say to those people? It'll go back again and again and again to experience, experience, experience.
0: Okay, well well put. You, um, you certainly have, have your perspectives down, Pat, today at this stage in your career. For our final question, now if you look back to the beginning of your career and you think about the things you just said so well to us just now, you know, what do you wish you knew way back then? That clearly, you know, you have a handle on today.
1: You know, there's a few. I wish that it was okay to make mistakes and get messy. And it's funny that later on in life, you realize, that, yeah, that's okay. When you first start, there is a feeling that you know, you have to be perfect. Everything you do has to be great every event that you host has to be sold out. And now I've realized that, you know, it it is not it's, it's not it can't be ego driven. It is okay to make mistakes, it is okay to get messy. I just interviewed Michelle Romano last week who most people hopefully know, she's in her mid 30s, um, worth a tremendous amount and one of the and the youngest dragon on Dragon's Den, which for your American listeners is the Canadian version of Shark Tank. And she said it best where she said There is 20% of learning in every failure and just take that 20% and apply that to the next project. So that would be the first thing, make mistakes, get messy. The second thing I would say is there's a difference between uh, hearing and listening. And I wish when I was younger that I didn't hear, that I actually listened. And I say that by meaning that active listening, rather than dismissing what someone is saying, actually listen, taking advice, learning from others, whether they're your peers or not. That is critical. Irrespective of age, I think the older we get, we seriously get hooked on the fact that, oh my God, there's a 28 year old now working in the business and uh, you know they're on our team. I could probably learn a tremendous amount from a 28 year old, given the experience that they've been brought up with versus me and my generation back in the seventies or eighties versus someone who grew up as a millennial. Absolutely. I think the final thing, and this isn't something that I've learned. This is something that is self-taught that I have been doing from the beginning is leading with empathy. Leading with empathy is probably my most important leadership quality. It is the ability to be able to understand others, to be able to empathize with others, to be able to realize that there needs to be a work-life balance, to be able to be compassionate and to place yourself in someone else's shoes. That is something that I have learned at the beginning of my career that has stayed with me all throughout my career most other leadership qualities have probably pivoted or changed
0: well listen what i've learned today um is that you're you're always on you do deliver the passion and conviction from from deep inside and and that's what we heard today and and i appreciate your time you're sharing your experiences your perspectives uh with the audience and and i look forward to continuing to see your journey especially as the experience world that you've described so well today comes back to life very slowly over the next, let's say, months ahead.
1: Well, Mark, I'll say it best, and hopefully this will um, strike a chord with you. I was born to run. (laughs)
0: That is (laughs) very well said. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) All right, my man. Much appreciated.
0: The Backstage Project Podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Go – they help organizations create extraordinary digital products. To learn more, go to readysetgo.design. If you would like to get in touch with Mark and the team at the Backstage Project Podcast, please email us at info at